0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Moving into the Future. Today, I'm joined by Hector Colonas from Syncaroo. Syncaroo helps operators sync data between platforms so that individuals, companies, and brokers can easily locate and book flexible and co-working spaces through a variety of channels. It's designed to automate repetitive workflows and expand revenue opportunities for co-working spaces, by keeping a growing number of platforms up to date with accurate information on available spaces, pricing, and live availability. Hector, thank you for joining us today. I'm excited to have this conversation.
1: Excited to be here. Thanks for having me and uh, excited to dive in and, and see where we get in this conversation.
0: Yeah, yeah, because it really is interesting, you know, what Syncaroo does. I, you know, I came across it on LinkedIn and I came across your profile and I was you know, really, uh, you know, engaged and interested in it because considering the nature of the market today and, and the way that, you know, not only co-working has evolved in the last couple of years due to the pandemic, but even prior to that, you know, it really is such an interesting sub-market of the commercial real estate landscape. And, you know, that's really what I wanted to ask at first. You know, what did you see in the co-working inter- industry that that inspired you to create Syncaro?
1: Great question. Um, And I think you hit it around the head. Things are changing really, really quickly. But um, for folks who've been working in the industry, we've always kind of seen a future where anybody would be able to access space um, that helps them do their best work in the environment or neighborhood or area that motivates them or inspires them the most. So that's kind of where we were. we've always been building towards as co-working spaces, as brands, as uh, the industry. But about seven to eight years ago, I launched a company that built a uh, membership, be- member benefits and perks program for co-working spaces. And uh, while growing that out across the world, I spoke to community managers all over the place. And they would love the fact that there was so much tech available so many solutions that could improve their onboarding, improve their sales their leads, get them more uh, people through the door, but none of them talk to each other. So they were spending a lot of time having to do very repetitive tasks. And because I was always in these spaces and I'm kind of like a workspace geek, I heard a lot of these complaints. And then 2019, I wrote a blog post saying that it's it's ridiculous that this still is a problem. and if anyone wants to welcome on, on it with me, to reach out. I uh, had a few conversations with people around the world and landed up co-founding a company now called Syncaroo with my co-founder, Robert Krupp. And uh, we started building this technology to automatically keep all of the technologies and services and solutions in sync with each other.
0: Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense, you know, be, because I have spent a lot of time in, in the co-working sector as well, you really do see the entire ecosystem at work and with such a, you know, diverse and, and, and dynamic uh, group of different people working within it, you know, to, to have something that is centralized and automated and, you know, really reliable um, it is such a, a, a key component. And the other aspect of that on top of it is not only is the ecosystem of the co-working space so unique, but also the cities that they're in are so, you know, diverse and different from from other cities, you know, throughout the world and and across the world. What are some things in different markets that you're seeing that that's really unique, you know, either based on the geography or the socioeconomic specifics of that area that, you know, Sinkaroo is kind of... uh, Help, juicy, and then it have helped different you know companies, brokers, co-working spaces in those markets access and see.
1: Yeah, so I, th- I think it actually goes uh, to something that's far bigger, far bigger answer than the question you asked, and that is, I truly believe that the way that the next five million people who will use co-working spaces will find and access, and then join other spaces hasn't been built yet. Um, There hasn't been a unified way for people to build creative new ways to engage with physical space. Everyone had to start from square one, get a whole bunch of inventory onto their system and then build from there. What happens if you remove that step one, allow people to really quickly onboard and partner with spaces, but then instead focus on the experience. Um, And the reason why I bring that up is going to the different cultural, the different, ways people are using space also reflects on how they're accessing that space. So if we look at um, places like India, South Africa, uh, South America, the ways that they're using space uh, or shared space or flex space is for a completely different purpose. Most times it's somewhere safe to work, somewhere that there's good Wi-Fi, somewhere there's electricity. here in New York or in Jersey City, we don't have to worry about there not being electricity, but we want community, we want business networking, we want something. So these pieces all exist, but what is highlighted in each culture or each hyper uh, hyperlocal economy is different. And that obviously allows for different kinds of distribution channels, different types of brokerages, different types of apps. Um, if you, for example, are filling space in a cash-based economy, it doesn't matter if you have the best credit card processing in your app, because that's not how people book space. Um, so because of that, and because of the fact that there are so many different groups of people now discovering space, um, and that's just looking at people who are paying for their own desk. That's you know not forget that the GSA has just signed you know, a five-partner uh, deal to bring two million government or federal employees into Flex Spaces, or at least give them the option of Flex Spaces. Um, In Ireland, they're investing in an entire network of remote hubs for their employees to work from as well. So we're seeing these different groups of people who either never had to book space or are now being given this choice for the first time will have completely different needs. They'll have completely different objectives for why they want to access a flex space. And that just opens up so many more questions and gives us answers.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it really does too. And, you know, when you talk about getting the government involved in it, you know, that really brings an interesting proponent because, you know, then what you start to do is essentially centralize, you know, co-working. and, And again, like the centralizing, accessing that space, you know, where decentralized, you know, spaces and, you know, those markets can still certainly exist. But, you know, having both of those, uh, proponents existing is really interesting. And, and like beyond that, you know, when you say prior to that about, you know, the next 5 million people who access space, you know, we're going to be doing it differently. And, you know, that, that really does beg the question, how do you see it happening? You know, like there, there's so many ways, do you think it's going to be like, you know, in different markets where it'll simply be like going to a coffee shop and ordering a coffee shop and people will show up, you know, and again, like you mentioned, it's safe. They have Wi-Fi, they have electric and they simply show up and they say, you know, I'd like a space for the day. And they, you know, almost like an internet cafe back in the day, you know, do you, do you see that happening in, in different markets, you know, to be as simple as that? Um, or do you, do you, do you see it in a, in a, in a different way where again, like there could be some government incentives where, you know you're given a you know a pay pass card from the government that allows you to access the space you know based on the type of work you're doing or you know di- different components and variables like that what what do you what are your thoughts on that
1: so uh, i two great questions one is you know will will people like the government using co-working centralize um access between sort of specific companies um or more or lean towards a decentralized a model of putting employees in a network of unaffiliated spaces. Um, I think what's most interesting about at least the GSA deal um, is they awarded their contract to five companies, two of which are networks of independent operators and three of which are fully owned uh, networks of space. So I think it's going to be really interesting to watch that over the next couple of years and see where federal employees choose to work, where they feel most comfortable, what they have the most seamless experience with. Um, so that's going to be really interesting to watch on that the whole uh, question around whether it's going to be a centralized uh, booking or it's going to be kind of decentralized between through one app or uh, multiple apps and two independent operators um, across across the uh, the network across the country. As for how I see people accessing space, right? It it does go back to the previous question about the different cultural ways that we engage with things. If you're in a world where People order their uh, their food from Amazon or some food delivery app. They book taxis on their phone. Um, everything's kind of instant gratification. Of course, they're going to get to a point. They're going to be leading into being able to access a space, walking into a space without having to sign a contract, get a membership, uh, get on boarded. They just want to walk in, put their laptop down, and know that the amenities are there, sort of like a, a, a network of membership clubs, um, if you will. Uh, that's the one way. In, in other countries, people want that security. They want to know that if they're going to leave their laptop on a desk, that everyone else who's there has been vetted. Um, there are indie spaces which are sp- strictly for specific types of businesses, whether it's you know high growth e-commerce companies or co-working spaces just for lawyers or co-working spaces for physicians. It's... Each one is gonna have slightly different criteria and depending on their local economy, they're gonna have different ways of how they want people to engage with their space. But I definitely think we're leaning towards a future where you could arrange a meeting, just like you share a Zoom link or a Vimeo link or whatever it is that you share to have a virtual conference, you will be able to select an office um, or a meeting room that you will join. Um, we're seeing integrations into Slack for you know teams to do huddles in physical spaces. We're seeing integrations into, you know, Microsoft Teams. So all these things are happening, and the only way that they can happen is, you know, by focusing on not where the puck is today, but where it's going to be, you know, three years from now.
0: Right. And and again, that that's also an interesting question or an interesting proposition too. You know, as far as sharing a link the same way we do now with Zoom, you know, sharing a, a link almost like a geotag, if you will of like, you know, an apparent uh, or excuse me, an available uh, meeting room or, you know, conference room or whatever it may be uh, that that the group needs at that time. Is that where Syncaroo can really help because of their data and the way that they automate that data, knowing that there is that room available, you know, at this time and it's live and up to date. It's not going to be a situation where they get there and it's, you know, it's already taken or, you know, for any reason it doesn't exist at all like you know that's R- sinkaroo's main purpose is to make sure that it, when we do get to that day as we were talking about it is uh it's, it's it's accurate data up to the moment that that's what you guys are really aiming to do right
1: exactly i mean the differentiator um from when you 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 nailed it perfectly the only thing i would uh sort of asterisk there is that we don't want to handle the front end. The way the person finds books, processes the space, that is not really what Syncaroo does. But everything else you said, making sure that regardless of what platform, regardless of whether it's in a Google Calendar or in a Zoom link or in a Slack channel or in any of the array of apps that already exist, making sure that there isn't double bookings, making sure that the space is available and can take that booking, making sure that it's held and that when you arrive in any space, you're a first-class citizen. You're not, you know arriving there and they don't care that much because you came from some other app where they make less money like there's a bunch of things that have to get fixed and we're hoping that by building the tech layer to enable everyone to connect with the space seamlessly uh we can get to that future that we envision
0: yeah yeah, certainly, and and you know, again, we have had the discussion too. Now we've we've kind of taken co working and flex space globally. You know, we're not, we're not so focused specifically during this conversation. You know, to to, to just you know, siphon it through the lens of an American, and and with that thought in mind, you know, what markets internationally do you think the rise of co working is really going to positively? affect the most you know do you do you think it's going to be those you know indian uh countries or or regions where you know there there's still a a lot of uh value in 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 businesses and collaboration however the um you know the foundation isn't isn't necessarily there so much or do you see do you see it more data in other markets that's kind of Really sparked your interest in, in the amount of growth that could potentially happen there?
1: I mean, I got into co working um, back in 2013 in the middle of a economic collapse where all the banks froze, and we saw people joining these spaces when they were made suddenly unemployed on a Friday. And by Wednesday, you know they were building new businesses, building new collaborations and getting back on their feet. Um, and that was because of the space, because of the community, because of the ability to get away from um, the, the questions and the, the concerns at home and being able to focus on work. Now, I do write a weekly newsletter about everything that's happening in coworking. And a big part of that is looking at the global trends. Just in the last few weeks, we've seen huge surges in, or huge surge in a number of spaces being opened in second and third tier cities across India. Um, we're seeing huge suburban plays being made across suburban America. So even though the markets are so different, the needs for a space that isn't home, but is isn't a three hour commute, is critical it's a huge it's it's becoming a human need to have a space to go and work at if not every day um but somewhere that isn't home a third space if you will uh but i think it's going to have the biggest impact outside of the city centers in the suburban markets in rural i mean there was a book that was released uh this week about the impact of rural co-working across europe um and they looked at what does it mean for those those towns, what does it mean for those uh, societies to have somewhere to work, but also to attract uh, more workers, to attract to reduce the brain drain. Um, so I think it's gonna it's gonna have a huge impact on the, their hyperlocal communities, especially outside of you know the the central business districts.
0: Right, and I think I saw it in your newsletter this week. You know, specifically Tulsa, in Oklahoma. Uh, where they started that program i believe at the beginning of the pandemic or, or very close to it and it's generated was it like 62 million dollars um, in revenue you know for that city which is significant for a you know smaller yeah. city like that um that is a very interesting first of all the entire study and you know proposal was interesting when it started and now that they've gotten this data and they've seen it it's it's even more interesting to see that it worked, and you could imagine a lot of cities, you know, especially in rural America, where you know they're they're referred to as flyover states, um, you know, can use that this that study as an opportunity to to bring new people into those markets, and you would have to imagine that co working and flexible office space is going to be a huge variable, you know, to making it sustainable. And also growing, you yeah. know, that was one of the great things about WeWork um, in its early days is you had these companies starting in WeWork, and they grow into these, you know, massive some unicorn uh, companies. Um, so yeah, it, it's really really fascinating. Do you know of any specific uh, coworking companies, you know, in Tulsa, um, like not not named WeWork or you know any of the ones that we may know? Um, or for that matter, in any secondary markets that, you know, you've really found to be interesting and, and, you know, most valuable to that type of market?
1: I mean, I'm a huge fan of the independent operators. I'm a huge fan of the people who are born and bred and they create a community. They create a space for their community. Um, I'm blown away by what uh, Spark is doing in Baltimore and in a few other cities. Um, I'm blown away by uh, alkaloid out in, in Atlanta um, what uh, what are they called um, in New Mexico uh, what was the name of the Manhattan project that thing uh, project X project Y in in, uh, in New Mexico like all these really small spaces really focused on serving their immediate community and creating, value there first and then expanding out. Um, and of course you've got other other chains. You've got Serendipity Labs, you've got Venture you've got all these new franchisee plays um coming in. Um, you've got Common da- out in, in Dallas and in, in Texas and in the Midwest, I think. Um, you've got really interesting things happening as as these kind of spaces look to either expand, but expand in, in a more sustainable holistic way looking for communities that um, are really needing the 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 human elements of co-working as opposed to just workspace
0: right and like looking at it as a you know major profit uh opportunity and, and more so as a community based opportunity to to help people you know grow within their uh their professions and and, and expertises so yeah I am also very you know, focused and hopeful for those type of uh, co-working and flexible spaces to, again, this brings us back to the decentralized aspect of these. I think it's so important for, you know, not only small businesses as a whole, but, you know, young and old entrepreneurs alike. Again, when you can build these communities around like-minded people who they wouldn't be like-minded if they weren't there, right? So, you know to, to, to have those local resources available again just as a alternate solution to the the large players that we work i compare it to coffee shops you're going to have starbucks on every corner but it's also nice to have you know the mom and pop espresso shop or you know something like that i i think of co-working extremely similar in that regard and again now to, to loop it you know into how is it that you're seeing, especially in these in these local markets, or even even not, you know, even in some you know larger cities, not so much like you know the the New Yorks, the San Franciscos, the LAs, but how brokers and you know co-working spaces, how brokers are better utilizing co-working space opportunities, you know, based on the data available to them. I could imagine in the last five years, especially. It's become, you know, so much more of a tool for them. How has, you know, Syncaroo helped the technologies better prepare them and 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 find the right solutions, you know, for their their clients?
1: Great. So, I mean, I think we, we have to mention the elephant in the room. Um, and that is that if a brokerage is providing solutions for a company now and it doesn't include remotes, um, options or hybrid uh, uh, options, which include, you know, flex workspace, work near home, uh, you know, hub and spoke, all the all the terminology that was um, made really popular last year. Um, the companies are looking elsewhere. They, they they the brokers, the brokers and the brokerages have to offer solutions that accommodate both the HQ model and the fact that increasingly companies are looking to see how they can hire from anywhere. How can they be fully or partially remote? How can they be hybrid? Um, how can they save money on on uh, real estate and instead give perks and better healthcare and other benefits to employees in this new global uh, competition for uh, for talent? Uh, so the brokers really need to know what's available, who who's selling it, what what the deals are, who it's perfect for, and up until now or until very recently. A lot of that, I'm sure, when you were launching in New Cities, you would have to create an Excel sheet or a PDF and send that to a broker. And then every time, either every week or every month, you would then have to send an updated bro thing or um, someone would call and be like, hey, is that room still available? We have a, person, a member of a team of 30 people, 20 people. Um, and what we've been helping a bunch of brokers do is remove that whole, that whole question and answer email chain. log straight into a system that shows you exactly what's available, what the pricing is what's becoming available in the next couple of months um, and make recommendations to clients without having to add that extra man hours or woman hours or person hours um, into preparing a quote and if we can make it all more efficient for the brokers, we're going to put more people in flex and we're going to keep companies happier as they shift their focus from how do we build a hybrid company to how do we attract the best talent from anywhere in the world?
0: Right. Right. And that is so important. And, and, and as a matter of fact, that's a conversation I had with my last guest who is a small business owner on Long Island. And, uh, you know, she is now competing with New York city, you know, for talent, but it's also vice versa, you know, because of hybrid and remote work, she's able to also, you know, attract New York city talent to Long Island now. Um, because they can work remote or hybrid and stuff like that but now see the fascinating aspect of that is too you can position it with co-working to say well the broker can be asking what do you want out of co-working space do you want it to be you know strictly business where it's you know just that desk do you want it to be more of like a wellness platform where there might be some perks in there that allow for you know whatever meditation um you know exercise it it could be any number of things you know so uh the fact that sinkaroo is doing that and you know providing that technology and automation to these variety of of search engine technologies is so key and so prevalent and then you know i i definitely want to get into you know how how we're seeing now technology really changing the, the the workflow in the flex space and, you know, you, you said this at the beginning where, and again, I saw this firsthand when I was at WeWork, whether it's like the building management system or, you know, the, the variety of perks that we have for um, members or, you know, just like simply booking a conference room. Like, you know, all of this stuff is done on different technologies. So one of the keys to co-working in Flex really in this next evolution you know I, I would really consider this like probably phase three of, of of Flex and co-working office space. how do we see technology changing the workflow of Flex office space and and how people use it and simplify it for themselves and their companies?
1: Yeah so I think it all kind of steps back to how how the how the space thinks about technology um for the last year or so i've been telling spaces about this shift that's happening from a tech stack to what i like to call an operational stack where instead of just thinking about which piece of technology solves this piece of the puzzle the best actually looking at what are the workflows what are the 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 user journeys that someone will go through If they booked, for example, a space on Upflex and they had a meeting room, but then they wanted to order lunch and then they wanted to sign up for a membership. What is that entire journey and which technology pieces do they touch? Um, And then how do you automate the pieces of that so that as a customer, they have a fluid experience, um, a seamless experience, regardless of how they interact with your space? Uh, We're definitely seeing that. We're seeing a huge explosion in the number of tech available. Um, And I say that because I think for a very long time, there was a few very large monolithic options, right? You get one solution from one company and they have every piece of the puzzle kind of stuck together. Um, And what we're seeing is because of this huge explosion in investment, but also in, in availability and options, operators are instead picking the best solution for each piece and then looking to glue them together into that that cohesive, seamless experience. And that's that's a shift that was we started seeing a couple of years ago, it's definitely picking up now. Um, and it's why you're seeing such huge investments and a lot of merger and acquisition activity in the sort of workspace tech or CRE tech in, uh, sector.
0: Right. And like, so, you know, one that comes to mind immediately for me and, you know, like, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, is, like, Office R&D. Like, you know, that's a technology that's really been developed specifically for co-working, and, you know, as far as I understand it, you know, to help with, like, the the space utilization, space occupancy, you know, things of that nature. Now, on top of that, would they be using other technologies, you know, to complement that, or, you know, is that more so of, like, the tech stack, as opposed to the operational stack, you know, can you explain that a little bit better? Am I on the right track? Yeah,
1: sure. That? Yeah, definitely. So, um, Office R&D is very, very focused on how best they can integrate with other best-in-class solutions, and I say that because Office R&D is integrated with Singuliru, so I know it firsthand. I can I can say that on the record. Um, they are very, very focused on allowing operators to run their business as efficiently and as uh, optimized or to so optimize as much as possible. Um, they're releasing business intelligence tools now. They're really focused on how do we, the data we're getting back, how do we make it more useful so that operators can make data-driven decisions. But you're not going to see a company like Office r build sensors and access control systems and uh you know Wi-fi routers and uh, booking apps those things can all be developed by one or more other parties right and by thinking of it as an operational stack, you have to think about all those different pieces um you know the light sensors the Wi-fi provisioning, the uh, screens in the in the meeting room all of those need to be connected to this central hub now in the operational stack you have this this onion type approach of, In the middle, you have hospitality. What are your existing customers and their guests interact with on a daily basis? Outside of that, you have this layer called uh, sales, where you're converting people into into members, and then you have lead generation, and then outside that, marketing. Um, So the whole idea of the operational stack is how do you efficiently build systems where you're pulling in as many amazing people into the middle of the onion or into the middle of the graph and keeping them there happy and and, and healthy. Um, And that is what the the difference is, is instead of thinking of purely how do we implement technology to solve a technical roadblock or or get over a hurdle, to instead thinking about how do you design your processes, your workflows and your uh, integrations so that as people come into your space and become part of your community, you can serve them better.
0: Right, and and you know, I think it's so important. And I just want to emphasize it that you put hospitality in the middle of that because that is essentially the key for any co-working, you know, flexible office space. That when members do go there, they you know they feel comfortable, they feel safe, they feel productive, you know, they they feel a part of it, um, you know, of that hospitality, and then growing it out from there is is so important. So then. As far as the operational stack goes, again, too, you know, like what other what else comes to mind? And again, you know, you clearly know it better than I do. I'm I'm, I'm you know very uh, new to this idea. Would you say again, it's it's more of a dashboard situation and flow like that, or like you know, you're logging into an app, and like you know, it is is the app going to be? It's it's a co working app where you log into that there. And that app is essentially your one-stop shop. That's really what you're trying to make it where all of that data, or excuse me, all of those services lie there with the foundation being the hospitality that this co-working space has to offer. You know, is that correct?
1: Um, It's that's a piece of it right so inside the hospitality layer you have to think about everything that a human would touch to go right. into the space so the tenant experience so things like lane things like uh, uh you know the office r&d member portal and the nexus member portal they will be a piece of it well how the user engages and books meeting room with it within the space is one piece of it um, the rest is when they get to the physical space how are they accessing how are they opening doors right how are they uh you know, getting Wi-Fi connected to a new device. Is there security provisioning around? You know, the alarm systems. Uh, we saw, you know, an experience uh, with Phil, also We wework I believe, um, who tried to book a meeting room for an early morning call. Got there, and he had been given all the pieces of the puzzle except for the code to switch off the alarm. So he arrived in a space, walked in, tried to sit down to set up his laptop, and the alarm went off. Right. And because that piece wasn't included in the onboarding or whatever happened, someone wasn't there on time, these things do happen. If you had taken a a operational stack approach, you would have seen all the pieces that need to be in sync, so that someone can do that use case. Um, So it doesn't help just to have a a dashboard for the user or dashboard for the admin, but it's thinking about how the different pieces come together to give that cohesive experience
0: yeah yeah that's really fascinating and really innovative you know it 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 begs the question of like ai and like their uh you know integration into uh you know co-working and workspace because that that level of specificness and, and and you know attention to detail you know as you mentioned with that example with the security is, is there's so much integration and in technology and, uh, you know, just just synergy that needs to take place in, in order for that to work. So that's a really fascinating proposition, and um, it's certainly where we're going. It's where we have to get to with, you know, the, this co-working and, and, and flex space to take it to the next level. And, again, just like they, they always mention this, you know, in the the real estate uh, Crash of 08 in in the United States. You know the one of the reasons why WeWork was able to, you know, really grow and and expand, and not just WeWork, other you know co-working companies as well, was because it offered those short-term leases and you know, flexible you know spaces and leases um, that allowed for this new dynamic in the market. And you know that was more of a physical uh, you know solution that they had. You know, now it's much more of a uh, of a people, you know, and and how people work and where they want to work. And as we were saying, how people, uh, you know, hire and where we're we're attracting the best talent. And and that's the next step is is that operational stack and and making sure just the integration process is seamless to the point of really no thought It, it, it should flow, like, you know, the same way Sinkaroo does. I guess that's a good, uh, a good, um, you know, analogy there. Um, but uh, exactly. To, yeah, heck, go ahead.
1: I was gonna say that, that brings us back to kind of the first point we, we discussed, right? The next 5 million people, the way they engage with space, the way they feel shared space, it just hasn't been created yet. And our hope is to build the data infrastructure that lets the next generation of innovators build AI, blockchain, Web3, Web5, whatever it is, technology on top of the physical space.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's a really exciting look ahead. And I think, you know, that's a uh, a good um, preview into what could be next for not only, you know, Syncaroo, but also the Moving Into the Future podcast when hopefully we get to have you on again in the future and we can you know talk about we can look back on this and and talk about you know what we made happen so you know hector i really appreciate you coming on it was a great conversation uh you know looking forward to to follow it sinkaroo and you know uh hopefully we can do this again someday
1: sounds great hopefully we can meet in the middle and do it in person as well and share a coffee or a beer um thanks for having me on and i look forward to to coming back and seeing how right or wrong we were with our predictions.
0: Yes, absolutely, and enjoy, and I'll take you up on that uh, coffee or beer for sure. We'll talk soon, all right, Hector? Perfect. All right, thanks again, everybody, for listening. Looking forward to the next episode. Bye.